This episode of Homeschooling in Real Life is brought to you by Caroline's Coffee, roasted in the gold country of California. Hey, this is Fletch, and once again, we are bumping the schedule to talk about a real current topic. We're going to be talking about tragedy in the news and how to talk to your kids about it. So if this is something you are not prepared to talk about with your kids yet, you may not want them to listen to this episode with you. Stay tuned. This is Homeschooling in Real Life. Welcome to the Homeschooling in Real Life podcast. Join your hosts as they dive into difficult topics that you might not find covered at your local homeschooling convention. Veteran homeschooling parents Andy and Kendra Fletcher use humor, honesty, and grace to discuss just what it looks like to homeschool in real life. All right, this is our beginning. Hey, Fletch. This is Fletch. And this is Kendra. And we want to welcome you to episode 110 of the Homeschooling in Real Life podcast. This is called Talking with Kids About Tragedy. I feel like we should start more somber than normal. Hmm. No, this is the Homeschooling in Real Life podcast. We will go straight to fluff. We will get to the tragedy in just a minute. But let me tell you about something going on in our house this week. Are you ready? We went to a water park. We did. We took our kids to a water park. And I'm saying real life because this comes about a month after an epic water slide, slip and slide I did for Father's Day. Yeah, you almost lost a rib. And I'm still feeling it in my (laughs) ribs. My doctors have told me that I've cracked a rib. I can still feel it. But somehow in my stupidity, I said, hey, a good idea would be to go down water slides with the kids. (laughs) So we did that for the day. That was great. Um, And you broke a knee. No, I'm kidding. No, but I just was thinking about how fun it was to just play with my kids. Yeah. And just romp around. We had a great little bench at this park where we could see Mighty Joe coming and going. And just to see his face glowing and... Christian and Lola and Caroline, we took four kids down, and just to see them so happy and having so much fun, doing nothing, you know, more basic than just riding in water on mats and then skipping across water. A couple times I thought Joe was going to lose his life, but that kid has no fear, and it was awesome. Yeah, I guess there are advantages to having holes in your brain. Yeah, what's cool is he had to carry this little cart up these tall stairs, and he couldn't do it. It was so heavy, so he always found a pretty girl to do it for him. And these pretty girls were so willing to help a cute little boy out. It was so funny. So, yeah, we did that. And um, it's a metaphor for me. It was a metaphor of having fun in the middle of fear. Okay. Because uh, it's a metaphor of just a real lousy year around Mm. this house with more crud going on than fun. But it was Mm. fun to take a break and and to just have so much fun with our kids. And it was hard to kind of get Kendra's attention there. You know why? Why? Because it's been Wimbledon week, and all you care about is Wimbledon. <laughs> every fact, every statistic, every player. Yes. However, we are we are taping this after the men's final, so it's over, dude. And you know what's done was done, and now we look forward to the U.S. Open. All right. Well, so we have okay. a couple months for Kendra to, to be US. engaged in conversation, and then once again, <laughs> two weeks of her shut down with her face in a computer. Okay. Except here's the thing, folks. I hate football despise, won't watch a game unless I'm coerced or somebody's having food. (laughs) 
<laughs> and so um, I don't, it's after the U.S. Open at the beginning of September, it's over for me until uh, the Australian Open in February. So, you know, all of football season, I'm not watching it. No, well, you have baseball still. True. Yeah. But so, that's over in October. Yeah. So you I'm do have, <laughs> you do have stuff you watch. And the Olympics are coming up. I want to know how many hurlers are big Olympics fans. I am not a big Olympics fan this year. They're talking like human body parts I know. in the water in Rio. <laughs> okay. I have but no see, desire to see like. This makes it hey, extra the interesting. Won. But look, there's a head floating <laughs> in the water. So no. I'm so sorry for Rio that. It's just, it's getting a bad rap on. Like, there's there are Olympians that are like, nah, I'm not going to go. Yeah, golfers so, aren't going. Crazy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, anything else going on in your fluff world over there? No, sir. Nothing fluff worthy. A lot of harder things, but no fluff. Um, we're talking about tragedy and how to talk to your kids about it. And I think this came up because we have just been overwhelmed. Our church has been pointing each of you out. We've had special times of prayer for Orlando, and then again today for Dallas and for St. Paul. I mean, just just the way the world is just no different than any other time. It's just out on our news every day and just super tragic events. And we thought, you know what? Let's talk about this. How should we talk to our kids? We're not experts. We're just going to share our opinions. Yeah, so, and you know, Fletch, we have an international audience. So even if you're not affected by what's happened in the United States this week, there are all kinds of things going on all over from Brexit, which I don't yeah. know if we've mentioned that on well, this even too. with Yeah, even with just being American, you don't know what's going on because our news is so <laughs> American-centered. Whereas there's tragedy here and we freak out and then like, oh, you know, 50 people died in Pakistan in an earthquake right, or something and right. we just get a blip right. on the news screen and that's it. That's all you hear about it. But 50 lives are gone or whatever. I'm just making up a number there. So let's uh, take a quick break and let's get on to this topic. All right, so you know I love to talk about Caroline's coffee every week. And for the second week in a row, I'm talking about this Maui-grown coffee. Um, You know, when we're talking tragedy and we're talking um, hard news, there's nothing like a good cup of coffee to help, you know, ease that. Softens the blow, maybe? And especially this Maui-grown. This stuff has been fantastic. I've been drinking it with the Fletcher kids. Let me tell you, 100% Fletcher kid-approved Maui-grown coffee by Caroline's Coffee. Trey Spike knocked it out of the park when he roasted this bean. So I would encourage you to head on over to carolinescoffee.com, use our code HIRL, and get the magic 10% off anything you order. Now, funny here, I'm just going to wrap up this little spot to say we get plenty of emails from you people who are going there, so thank you so much. That's how you sponsor this podcast. Yeah, you know, last week's guest, Kim Crandall, she's from Grass Valley, and she said, I cannot believe you guys drink Caroline's coffee. It's my favorite. Yeah, and then we have listeners that call in and say, I don't know what to buy. There's so many good choices. Can Fletch give me a recommendation? So if that's you, send an email to us and we will tell you what to get. Don't forget, carolinescoffee.com. Thank you for sponsoring this podcast and thank you listeners for going to Caroline's Coffee. Hi there, my name is Kevin Owen. Thanks for watching RT International. One main story we're rolling with this hour again. There's been a mass shooting overnight at a nightclub in Orlando. And within the past few minutes, police confirmed the number of dead had risen sharply to 50. 
Happening now, breaking news, Paris terror fear. Multiple people are reported killed in a shooting. There's also word of possible explosions outside the National Stadium and a hostage situation unfolding right now as well. We're following a night of unfolding terror right in the heart of the French capital. I'm Wolf Blitzer, you're in the Situation Room. We're back with a special edition of Nightline, the deadly California shooting rampage, bloody streets and a violent standoff between the police and alleged suspects. The Boston Globe released some dramatic video of the actual twin bombings uh, near the finish line at the, uh, at the Boston uh, Marathon. The video is disturbing. I'm going to play it and, and let it. Uh, you'll hear the first explosion, and then a few seconds later, you'll hear the second explosion. This is an NBC News special report. Here's Brian Williams. And good evening to those of you joining us on our NBC stations across the country. We have been in live rolling coverage this evening on MSNBC, and we'll return to that as well. Uh, we are covering something of a national emergency that is unfolding in the city of Dallas, Texas tonight. An Breaking news, a, a fresh age. act of madness in America. We still don't know all the facts. What we do know is that there has been a vicious, calculated, and despicable attack on law enforcement. And nearly a dozen officers were shot. Five were killed. Other officers and at least one civilian were wounded. Wow, Fletch, I don't know where you were when you heard about these events, likely Facebook, right, at work. Um, I think that's how a lot of us are getting our news the quickest these days. And um, what I'm your... a Twitter fanatic. You know me. I yeah, listen. You are. I get most of my stuff well, on Twitter. Well, okay, so social media. Yeah. Um, so initially, what are your thoughts when well, something like this happens? Uh, initially, you know what I find? I find I ease into things because I don't take the scope of tragedy so quickly. So, for example, let me give you my example. Um, I can specifically remember, and I included it in this clip, the the clip from Paris. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember, you know, you hear a lot of things like, like if I hear something happened in Ankara, Turkey, yeah, it doesn't affect me so much. Now, is that because you don't know people? I don't know anybody in Ankara, Turkey. Okay. Remember I told you about Pakistan? Right. It doesn't affect me because I don't know a lot of Pakistani people that right. live in Pakistan or even that live here and have relatives there. Yeah. We personally have a relationship with a young woman in Paris. So when I heard that news... I immediately texted her, and she yeah. immediately texted me back and said, I'm safe, everything's fine. But my heart skipped because mm-hmm. when they mentioned where the bombing took place, it was in her neighborhood. Right. Like, I knew the neighborhood that, that it was in. Right. And I remember thinking, like, oh, that's too close. And not only her, but her two brothers, and mm-hmm. thinking, like, oh, I've got these kids in Paris that, you know, for me are like children, not not like children, but she's sure. like family to me. I mean, right. I, I think about her off. I wish her a happy birthday on her birthday. I think about her. We dialogue back and forth. And to me, that was huge. Yeah. That's huge. So, I mean, I see that and go, oh, you know, that. But typically, I, I'm i a slow slow thinker of, the, of what the impact was. Um, although I will tell you this. I had read about the Orlando murders. Yes. Um, on our way into church on Sunday morning. Mm. I, I read about it already, and you hadn't read about it. Like I had said, oh, there's this tragedy. But as we turn the corner to come to our church in downtown Modesto, mm-hmm. there's a gay nightclub right there. And I said to, I said out loud, I said, look at that. Mm-hmm. That could have been here. 
that could have been here. I just couldn't. And it was so overwhelming to me, like the, like personally to say like, I know gay people in Modesto. Yeah. I know gay men that would be at a nightclub like this. Yeah. Um, that could have been really personal. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, those, those are overwhelming. It's not fear. You asked, you know, what's my response? My response isn't fear. It's just like, hug. Once again. Once again. Yeah. Once again, we got to deal with this. So I don't think um, most of our listeners, I'm going to venture to guess that the majority of our listeners are not people who have the television on all the time in their homes because we're homeschooling, you know, kids are home. So the TV is just not on playing. Now yeah. I, we have relatives who's the, the TV is on all the time, or we have friends who are news junkies. So the news is on all the time, but that I don't, that's not our home and that's not a lot of people's home. So I think a lot of times we parents hear these news stories first. Um, and sometimes our kids don't even hear them at all. Yeah. You know, because there's they don't have a reference for that in their life or they don't have a way. Young kids, you know, yeah. they're not going to hear it because the television isn't on all the, all the time or that kind of a thing. Um, or they don't watch the news with us. Um, but I can clearly remember when uh, the attacks in New York City happened, uh, 9-11, I was, I was nursing a baby, I was sitting in bed, <laughs> nursing our fifth child. And our other kids were two, four, six, and eight years old at the time. So the oldest was an eight-year-old. And I remember specifically thinking I wanted to be glued to that television that morning because it was so scary and you know you wanted to know is this it is this it for us um but i didn't want my kids exposed to that and so i had to be very judicious um and this was prior to lots of news online i mean it was just sort of getting you know going maybe in 2001 would you say you know it wasn't we weren't as inundated with online stuff i think back then as we are now we were still pretty much you know television news casting and that kind of stuff. So um, I just remember saying, I don't want the kids to be watched. I don't want them to be glued to it all day long. And turns out my mom ha- happened to come up and visit that day. It was a pre-planned thing. And she and I would, you know, sneak little glances at the television or turn it on when the kids weren't in the room. But we both say to this day that that was a good thing because we can become so absorbed and then, like you said, so overtaken by fear if the media is what we're hearing, you know, through through a tragedy for the entire day or the entire weekend. And I think that's something to consider when we're talking about broaching these things with our kids or exposing our kids to these things. So this topic today, how to talk to our kids about tragedy. Um, there are a bunch of things I guess we can just say right off the bat. There, there are those parents that are going to turtle, right? Sure. Hey, we don't want our kids to know anything, mm-hmm. so we're just going to turtle it under the ground. We'll just keep them from seeing it. Right. Um, we have those that are like, nope, let's step into it, and they're going to they're gonna have the TV on 24-7. Yeah. kids are going to see all and, the worst yeah, of the worst. Yeah, they're going to see it yeah. all. And mm-hmm. so in between there, let's navigate this conversation. Are you an expert at this, Kendra? Are you a child psychologist major? I am absolutely not an expert yeah. at this. I, I'm, I am a student of my own eight children. Yeah. <laughs> so I you're, think, yeah, I would say you're an yeah. expert with your eight kids. No, I'm not an expert, but I'm definitely no, a student. With your eight, though. Yeah, I guess, but you know how our eight kids work, and I know how they work. And I've seen, you know, we, we've seen the spectrum. We've seen just like normal family disappointment. We've had kids that fall apart. Right. And we have kids that are like me that like, you know, border on the emotionless of Mm -hmm. extremes. Like, well, doesn't affect me one way or the other. Mm -hmm. Like I won't be, I'm not going to be your highest high and I'm certainly not going to be your lowest low. Yeah. Uh, but bring it on. Mm -hmm. You know, I always think of myself at the beach, like I could handle any wave that came at me literally at the beach surfing, like bring me a wave. And I know how to, you know, 
duck dive under a wave that you miss the onslaught of the wave and you pop up the other side and you're breathing again. Mm-hmm. I know other people that get hit by these waves and they hit the sandbar, <laughs> like yeah. crack a neck, they're, they suck water down. Like There are people that are like that and there are other people that are just too afraid to get in the water. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's a, a little beach metaphor, but sure. I know in our family... We, we we have different kids. We know how to react. So well, and I think that's really our first point, isn't it? You you need to know your kids when you're approaching these tough topics with them, because as we've seen, you can have a six year old who can watch the entire CNN telecast and be completely fine and ask a million questions and just have a conversation with you. You could have a 16 year old who can't handle that. Yeah. So I I think when I was looking through this, doing my own little research, what I'm bringing to the table is if you have real little kids, you know, basic facts are Mm -hmm. basically what they need, which, you know, we, we educate, um, classically and we always kind of start with the basic facts. Like here's when the war took place, you know, does a, does a, Kindergarten to a seven, eight-year-old need to know about lynchings during the Civil War? Do they need to know that about even Civil War? What am I talking about? Do they need to know about that during the uh, Civil Rights Movement? Do they need to know about that, that, like the horrible stories of tar and feathering, like what that means? No. They just need to know the basic facts. There was a Civil War Mm -hmm. between the states. Um, There was this thing called the Civil Rights Movement. So, you know, when we're talking about things like Orlando. Let's just choose that one. There's there's a topic that boy. There's many paths you can go down. Mm-hmm. From hey, this was a tragedy. This was in a gay nightclub. Well, what does that mean? You know. So then you're suddenly going down like, <laughs> what does homosexuality mean to a a little kid? Or even more difficult than that is the aftermath of seeing Christians that are saying things like, oh, they got what they deserved. Mm-hmm. How do you navigate that conversation with a little kid where you yeah. just want to go? You know what? This was horrible. Christians are behaving horribly. You know, there's just so many things. How about just the basic facts? Yeah. There, there was a, a tragedy that occurred, and some horrible evil took place. And, and you can go, you can expand that for your own kid as far as you mm-hmm. want. And watch that kiddo, because again, I think if you're a student of your own children, some kids are going to internalize that, and it's going to it's going to churn in there, and it's going to cause some fear. And in the days or weeks following, there's going to be questions like, could a guy come into our church and you know shoot at us or could it could somebody do this or that and you know watch for those and don't brush them aside you know have a have that good conversation because ultimately just like every other episode we talk about the gospel everything circling back to that that's where those conversations can lead and that's a beautiful thing yeah and let's let's uh, push that off a little bit to the end of the show because i think we do have a solution here that that even you brought up in very real time today. Um, now, what about our teens? Um, if you have teenagers and if they have smartphones, if they're on social media, mm-hmm. if they are in the internet, you know what? You have no control over what they're seeing just from being on a Twitter feed alone, you know, well, just from being on a Facebook feed or an Instagram. And, and again, if you look at, you know, what happened in Paris, yeah. that was social media heyday because mm-hmm. that's where most people were getting their news. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a good sense, that's where companies like Facebook did the I'm safe mm-hmm. feature. I mm-hmm. love that. I mm-hmm. thought that was fantastic where people yeah. are checking in saying, yep. hey, there was an earthquake in Guatemala. I'm safe. Yes. We had a friend that was down there visiting and he was able to check in. Um, our young Paris daughter, uh, Marion, she was able to check in and say, I'm safe mm-hmm. and I'm with my brothers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you may not be able to reach me by phone, 
but I'm safe. I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, but even those uh, teenagers who don't have access to cell phones or uh, social media, you know, um, World Magazine comes into our home. Uh, There's a teen version of World Magazine. There's the actual World Magazine. You know, if you're getting those kind of things in your home, kids are going to see this stuff. And you, I would venture to say this is one of those topics where I'm going to be concrete and say, yes, your teens should be seeing these things. Yes, your teens, you do need to have these conversations with them. Look, the reality is they are just a few short years away from navigating the world on their own. So let's, you know, let's not shield them from those things, um, no matter how that news gets to them. Let's also realize, though, our kids sometimes don't have the words yeah. to articulate what they're feeling sure. or or even how to experience this. So, you know, that takes a lot of patience and a lot of just saying, Hey, you know what? You want to think about these things? Let's let's talk some more a little bit later about this. And then be prepared for tomorrow, the next day, the next week. Mm-hmm. For them to have then said, Wow, I'm I'm really getting the scope of this. Mm-hmm. And uh, and again, we live in a world where this information is at our fingertips, both right and wrong. Yeah, you know, they'll get right. wrong information sure. and uh regarding, you know, myths and legends. But as as believers, we need to be able to, you know. Take that time with our kids just to process things through, remind them who God is, and remind them he's in control. Again, we'll get back to our response later. I did want to wrap up this one section here on you know, different age kids with this statement. Your kids will know the climate, the emotional climate in your home by paying attention to you. So if you are a huddled mess, <laughs> yeah. they're going to pick up on that. If you're walking around in fear, they're going to pick up on that. You may think you're having hushed conversations. Your kids will read the emotional climate in your home. So um, I, there's times where I'm saying sometimes you just need to be strong in how you present information to your children. And sometimes, you know what? You need to be broken mm-hmm. and explain to them this is a horrible tragedy once again. Mm-hmm. Our brothers and sisters were slaughtered, you know, in a foreign country. Yeah. Um, Young men who, just because of their sexual orientation, were gunned down. Mm-hmm. Um, police officers, just because they were white, were mm-hmm. killed. Like you, you really need to show like this is horrible. Mm-hmm. So they get that. Yeah. Is that, yeah. Anything else you want to add to that? One last thing too, I think I would add to this, Fletch, is that uh, we need to be communicating and educating our teenagers on the reality of the media in our world today and how wrong the media gets it so often or how skewed their view is or how un uh, or how very biased they are. Cause I, I can remember being a high schooler and maybe in college and, and somebody saying to me, well, do you believe everything in the news and thinking, yeah, <laughs> because nobody had taught me to discern that the news was anything more than fact. Like that idea that a certain, uh, network or newscaster or writer could put a a definite spin with a bias on it. That was completely foreign to me until probably a lot later than it should have been. So I think those kind of uh, conversations are very important. I would even say go back to junior high, sixth graders, fifth graders maybe even. Like don't believe every single thing you see online, read online, see in the news, you know. Um, Look at it with discernment and say... Could there be a bias to this? Yeah, that includes us. Sure. <laughs> We're always going to be biased towards the towards gospel. Them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, in this, on this podcast. So, you know, take everything we say and hold that up to Scripture. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's take a break and come right back. 
Hey, as we've said before on this podcast, we don't do this show alone. We are part of a network called the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network, and there are a variety of podcasters. We've talked about a few of them before, Hal and Melanie Young. We've talked about Carol Topp. Um, and we have a new podcast that's launching on this network at the end of August um, on math. Sounds exciting, doesn't it? Not to me. However, <laughs> I have to say that I know the guy who's doing this podcast because our daughter has taken one of his test prep boot camps before. His name is Dennis DeNoya, and he is at MrDMath.com. So you want to check that out because I think this is going to be a very helpful podcast. Yeah, head on over to MrDMath.com, M-R-D-Math.com. You can learn everything about Dennis. And then the end of August, he's launching a podcast where he will talk about math and other math-related subjects. You know, we love being on this network because it's filled with great podcasters going over great topics uh, around homeschooling that we don't touch. I mean, we're kind of unique. We talk about homeschooling in general. We talk about homeschooling in real life. Uh, but it's nice to see these new podcasts that are coming out about college and prep for college, um, about money. Uh, and this one with Dennis is going to be all about math. So if you're a homeschooling parent and you say, Math isn't my thing. I don't know how to do this. I need to be excited about it. We're going to want you to check out his podcast. Again, it launches the end of August. You can find it over at theultimateradioshow.com. All right, and we are back. Uh, this is episode 110, talking with kids about tragedy. And we were just before the break, uh, maybe just talking about some general ideas of of kids based on their age. Now, we've come up with a few ideas, and I'll just kind of put them out there, and then we can chat about them. I think the first thing we are suggesting when you're talking with your kids is to be truthful. Mm-hmm. So the idea that you're not trying to sugarcoat stuff, um, except unless it's age appropriate, you know, you're trying sure. to give the little kids just the facts, but you know, be able to go into these conversations. And I was just thinking about uh, maybe the two most recent, or maybe the three that we can go on. You know, don't be afraid to talk to your kids about the topic of terrorism. Mm. That means get educated on yeah. what's going on. Look, the reality is this is the world they are growing up in, and we're not doing them a favor to hide it from them. Yeah, and the second, you know, like the second one, what. You know, what happens when somebody comes in and, and shoots up men in a gay nightclub? Mm-hmm. Have the conversation about homosexuality. Be willing to go into that. Mm-hmm. There is a place, and as we get closer to the end of this podcast, you're going to see where we talk more about the gospel and how this how this applies in every situation. You know, Fletch, what this reminds me of is our episode we did recently with Chris Oneth, and he talked about running into the burning building because you can't save it unless you run through the fire and do that hard thing. And I think, you know, these are hard conversations, even with older kids. Maybe it's, oh, I don't want to have to talk about homosexuality or, oh, I don't, don't want to have talk to talk about, about race. Race I mean, relations. Are you kidding or, me? Yeah. I remember or, having these conversations back in the 70s. Mm-hmm. We're still having them today. Even more so. Right, absolutely. Or, it, or even let's talk about, you know, faith and Muslims in our communities. And, you know, maybe that's a bridge you don't want to, to cross. But we've, you've got to, we've got to go into these burning buildings with our kids to equip what, them to understand the world. What you're going to find out is we've had a messy past. We've been and, and Christians have had a messy past. Yes. Christians have been horrible we've often at done how it we wrong. responded uh, to race relations, mm-hmm. uh, to slavery, 
to, like I said, back in the civil rights movement, we've had a horrible response as Christians to women. Mm-hmm. We've had a horrible response to the homosexual community. Yeah. We just have. Right. We've, been, we've just been horrible. So those are hard conversations to say, hey, you know what? There's been a lot of times where we have not acted Christ-like. Uh, and so that's what I mean. Be truthful. Um, encourage questions. Yeah, I would say even just say those words. Do you have any questions? Is there anything that that you are wondering about this that I can help answer for you or get answers for you? Yeah. Um, and, and don't be afraid to come to mommy or daddy in the next couple of days or weeks if, if things pop into your head. If you're fearful, please let us know so we can walk that road with you. So, you know, when you're saying, how do I talk to kids about tragedy? Well, first off, you know, be truthful. Have these questions and then realize that feelings are normal for mm-hmm. kids. Mm-hmm. You know, and I look at, and I'm saying this mostly to myself because I'm a pretty emotionless person. I said that at the top of the show. But, you know, when I have a little girl that wants to cry because she's just overwhelmed, that's okay. That's a good response. Yes. And if you have a kid that doesn't seem phased by it, Go get him tested. No, I'm just kidding. That's going to end up like Fletch. (laughs) No, um, but, you know, realize that it may take them or they just may respond differently. Yeah, I'm a slow processor. We have a son who's a very quiet processor. Um, But that doesn't mean they're not needing to deal with those things or or wrestle with them. I think one of the real practical things we we can do when we're talking with our kids is to remind them that they're safe. You know, remind them that you you as their parent do everything you can to keep them safe. That's why you keep them with you when you go to events. That's why you have a home that you keep them in. That's why you feed them. That's why you clothe them. So so that they know that their basic safety is something you are concerned a lot about. Because like Kendra said, they may ask those questions. Could this happen to us? Could, could that kind of thing happen to me? I can remember growing up, and this is going to sound really silly, but if I say this, I, I'm sure a lot of our listeners will respond that a white windowless van well, that was a child abduction van when I was a kid because <laughs> somewhere I heard that on a news story mm-hmm. that, you know, beware of a this white van without, you know, with no windows. Like every white van I saw from, I don't care who was driving it. Yeah. It's like that person's going to kidnap me. So this idea that you're safe, like I, I wanted to know that I was safe from the bus stop back to my parents' house. Mm-hmm. I want to know like that that was going to be a safe walk. Um, so, you know, sometimes that just means literally bringing them in closer to you when you're having this conversation. Sure. And just say, it's okay. You know, sometimes kids want to talk about this before they go to bed because that's when they are the most frightened. Or they want to talk about it when, you know, they're cuddling up next to you in in a chair. Just remind them that they're safe. Remind them that you love them. But more than that, remind them that what? That God has got this. Yeah, God loves them and he cares for them. Mm -hmm. All right, so my only other thought that I have here on how to talk to kids about this, I know Kendra might have a few more thoughts, is... Um, really being careful to limit media exposure. And I I know I can say it this way first. Um, We all know what we know about pornography. You know, one image, uh, uh, one pornographic image can burn into the memory of a child the rest of their life. And I know if you ask me, I can tell you the very first pornographic magazine I ever looked at because I remember the, I can tell you everything about it. Mm -hmm. Like I remember it. It's vividly in my mind. Um, likewise, I can remember gasping when I saw a plane disappear into the trade tower. Mm -hmm. Like here's, Mm -hmm. it's just something you don't see. You're not supposed to see that. Right. And suddenly a plane coming at full speed and then just disappears and doesn't come out the other side like it should. (laughs) 
you know, it was supposed to go on one side, not the other. Like that's magic. Right. You know, um, because it was so graphic. Um, that's huge. I, I, I don't know if there's other images like that for you in your life, but I, I know the young, uh, naked Asian girl Mm -hmm. that's running out of the village in In Vietnam. Vietnam. Right. Um, that's an image. In my mind. The image um, taken during the depression of the mom with the two children leaning into her. Yeah. You know, in shame. Yeah, there are images we just don't forget. Yeah, so I think if if you're going to see an image of a tragedy unfolding Mm -hmm. or bodies lying in the street Mm -hmm. covered with blankets, Mm -hmm. uh, that's going to stand out to kids. Yeah. Um, so I, I just want to say like with real little kids, like that's something I would do. That's some advice I'd give. Mm-hmm. Like, Hey, if you're going to talk to them about tragedy, maybe it's not a good idea to just hop on the internet and show them what, <laughs> what the ovens at, um, Auschwitz look like, yeah. you know, you know, it's funny you bring that up because we have a nine year old who last year when we did mystery of history, actually two years ago now, uh, two school years ago, we did the year four, which is all modern history. So it's all those things you're talking about. And um, he wanted to see things like he when I talked about Mussolini being and his wife being hung in the street and being spat upon and he wanted to see that. And there are images of that online. And um, I trusted my judgment on that and allowed him to see images, um, certain images along the way. And um we those led to conversations about God, the sovereignty of God, about the gospel, about um, God's goodness to us, about just all of those things in in the events in history. And what if those things were to come so close to home that they would affect us? You know, what if what if we were suddenly found we suddenly found ourselves caught up in a, a world that was very much like Nazi Germany or something like that? And so we've talked through those things and had those conversations. That child could handle it. Yeah. But the 12 year old sister who, you know, a year ago was doing that with us, she had a harder time with it. And so I had to, I would say to her, Hey sis, this is this thing, you know, do you, do you want to look at this, you know, and, and let her decide. Um, so I think that goes back to what we said at the very beginning. You've really got to know which kids you're showing what to. Yeah. And I, I mean, we just live in a news saturated world mm-hmm. where, well, even go, Go back to 1963, you could get frame-by-frame slow-mo of President Kennedy being shot. We watched that, too. Yeah. Well, again... (laughs) But, you know, different kids. I think of all of of historical, you know, shock. Like, that's one that, Mm -hmm. like, you can watch that. And and it's going to get worse with the number of people that have... Right. Cell phone video footage. Video everything. There's going to be video footage of stuff that you just don't need to see. And, and I think I'd, some news yeah. outlets are good at saying, "Yeah, we're just not going to show this." I, yeah. And I forget which one it was recently. Why do I feel like there was one recently where, like, you got to see a lot at the beginning, and then all of a sudden they said, "You know, what? we're not going to show this." Anymore. It might have been, might have been nine eleven. That might have been the one I'm thinking of. Where initially they uh, they did, and they, then they pulled a lot of stuff. They were showing right. a lot of stuff, and mm-hmm. then also like, well, we're not going to show you the planes going in the tower anymore. Mm-hmm. We're not going to show you the towers collapsing. People jumping. People I remember jumping. that being so, the thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, um, again, I think that final point. Uh, let's just be careful. Now, wrapping this all up, mm-hmm. at least into something that we can, in such a hard topic, grab onto. I'd like to read a passage out of scripture um, that maybe could help us with this. Um, you know it. During uh, the in the book of John, um, Jesus is telling his disciples who've been with him for a long time, um, "Hey, I know it's been going great. I've been here with you, but things are going to get hard, 
And um, even as we just recently heard, things are going to go from bad to even worse. Mm -hmm. It's going to get a lot worse. And the disciples are really like, they're not getting it because they they were sure he was going to start a kingdom. You know, they wanted to be at his right-hand side. And Jesus was like, you don't even know what this means. You don't even get what I'm doing (laughs) yet. But it's because the disciples like us are just kind of idiots as to what Jesus is trying to accomplish. So at the end of John chapter 16, he says... I've said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I'm leaving the world and going to the Father. His disciples said, Ah, now you're speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? <laughs> Behold, the hour is coming, indeed it has come, that you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. So he was telling him, It's going to get bad here, guys. Now, I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. Now, here's where it gets good. And I think for us as parents, as we're talking about tragedy in the world, and hurlers, it's going to get worse. Mm -hmm. This isn't the last racial-based violence we've seen. This isn't the last um, violence based on sexual orientation or because of terrorism or because of whatever. Here's what he says at the very end of chapter 16. He says, in the world, you will have tribulation. He promised it to us. We shouldn't be shocked. But take heart, he says, I have overcome the world. So, Kench, what do you take from that when you're talking to your kids? I think the overarching message is, guys, this is not our home. This isn't it. And we don't need to be fearful. I even had those conversations with the 12 and the 9-year-old when we were looking at some of those images or reading about all of those modern historical events. And even this last year in the ancients, there's plenty of yuck in the ancients too. And just saying, look, the very, very nanosecond you lose your life, you are there's no gap between death and being in eternity with Jesus. There's, it's seamless because it's your soul that lives, you know, so your body is killed, but you don't even really acknowledge that. You know what I'm saying? Like there's no, it's a continuum. And that actually brought hope and joy to them. I I could see them pondering that thought and then asking me questions about it after that. There's no death for the Christian. There's no death for the person who puts their faith in Christ. Um, it's, it, it doesn't matter how it ends here or what we go through here because we are promised a life with him. Yeah, so that's it. There's the hope. And, and I think that idea that the person we've put our hope in, Jesus, you know, we talk about hope, sh- hope shifting here all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, our hope isn't in a better government. Yeah. Our hope is not in the right candidate. Oh, my goodness. I hope we've never believed that. Well, particularly. Particularly this year. Yeah, but... <laughs> no, any, any year, year. You're right. I mean, any yeah. your city council, your county government, your, your... Your pastor. Yeah, horrible places to shift your hope. Yeah. Um, so Jesus is the one who's overcome this world. And guess what? He's promised us a comforter right now. And I don't care what your doctrine is on the Holy Spirit. 
there is this idea that he is a comforter, um, what Scripture calls a paraclete. He is there with you in the midst of tragedy. He's in the midst of triumph. He is right with you. He doesn't leave. As a believer, he's there with you, and he comforts you. And he reminds you, um, both when you're going the wrong path, we call that conviction, but let's not forget that the Holy Spirit reminds us um, that God loves us and that he is for us. So I think that's a good place to end. I, I don't know. Do you have anything else you want to say about talking to your kids about tragedy? Tell your kids he's with us and he's for us. Yeah. All right, hurlers. Um, thanks for letting us uh, go down a more current event track this week. Um, we hope that this was something that was uh, helpful for you with your kids. And if you have more to say on it, there's plenty of ways you can tell us. Uh, you can find us on... Uh, Facebook at facebook.com slash homeschooling IRL. You can tweet to us at homeschool IRL, or you can email us info at homeschooling IRL.com. And we would love to hear from you. Now, before we go, uh, a couple things just to remind you, you can support us over on Patreon. We would love to have your support. Patreon.com slash homeschooling IRL. Um, if you don't know what this is, it's very simple. It's a way for you to say, Hey, thanks for the podcast. <laughs> Here's a few quarters or a few bucks or a lot of bucks. Please keep it up. We could we could use more of this, and we would love to continue doing that for you. Uh, we have a handful of supporters over at Patreon, and we have a ton of listeners. So uh, we would love our ton of listeners to think about supporting us over there. And, of course, there's one more way you can support our show, and that's by heading over to iTunes. If you are listening on a smartphone, you can just click the screen, and you'll find a link that will take you right to iTunes. But Otherwise, just search for us on iTunes and leave a review. I have uh, two reviews to read for us. You ready for these, Kenj? Yep. The first one comes from Fra Linz, like Fra Brunner. I think that was her name in uh, Young Frankenstein. Like a German name, Fra Linz. Okay. (laughs) It's uh, titled A Great Range of Topics. And here's what she said. Truth be told, I was listening to every episode, then had kind of dropped it. Nothing against Fletch and Kendra, just so much else to listen to. And you know the old adage, not enough time. You know what? I get that, Fra Linz. My podcast list changes regularly based on what I'm liking at the moment. I have about 12 right now. Wow. I know, but I I, sometimes, unless I'm really motivated, I won't listen. So uh, anyhow, she goes on to say, well, a few days ago, I returned to their episodes. And let me just say, I'm glad I did. I wonder which one she returned to. I wonder what got her. Be good to know that we could like promote that one. I had forgotten how much I enjoyed their humor. Thank you. Lightheartedness. Thank you. And willingness to dig into touchy topics and especially their Christian viewpoint. Oh, and from one coffee lover to another, how could I not enjoy Fletch's gushing on the beautiful bean? See the little winky face? Oh, the beautiful bean. Give this podcast a try. You'll be glad you did. Now, you're already listening, so... Maybe not her advice, but give it to other homeschoolers. Tell them about Fra Linz and how she said, hey, Fletch and Kendra, do the touchy topics so you don't have to. <laughs> All right, second one came from, I love the names on iTunes. You ready for this one? Pushulet. Pushulet. I think that's Pushulet. Uh, cast fear out the window. Five-star review. She says, I was very reluctant to homeschool for a very long time because I felt, I say she, maybe it wasn't a she. I think it's a she. Because I felt that the friends that homeschooled were motivated by fear of horrible influences in public school, of porn, of premarital sex, and especially of their children turning away from Christ. That's why a lot of people homeschool. Yep. They're fearful. Right. In all honesty, 
I have those same fears, but I didn't want to decide how to school my children based on fear. I needed to bring those to Christ. Anyway, along came homeschooling IRL. And finally, I heard homeschoolers addressing all the issues that others don't talk about and pointing to Christ every time. This is the message I get from each episode. Let's not be motivated by fear and what we want our children to avoid. Let's be motivated by the love of Christ and the desire to teach our children all about Him. For some, the difference in enacting those approaches may be very subtle. But for me, it makes all the difference in the world. Pashalat, thank you so much for that review. Fra Linz, thank you for your review. And I forgot to say Slapdog said, Hey, homeschooling in real life is like a cool piece of watermelon on a scorching July day. Right on. That, that one, that's the one you'd respond to because yep. Kendra's like a watermelon fanatic. Hey, you can go over and leave a review as well. You know, by leaving a review, it ups our ranking. And guess why I want to have our ranking go up? So more people can hear the good news of the gospel. Yeah, and I just want to be number one. That's oh. it. <laughs> totally pridefully motivated by being number one. While I no, was being spiritual. Yeah, I know. But number one is the thinking atheist. And I've told, said this before. I want to kind of push the thinking, thinking atheist off their uh, perch. Um, not that I want to be mean to them, because I've actually listened to that show. Uh, the thinking atheist, he does a lot of shows about homeschooling. So uh, I like to hear kind of what the other side is saying. Yeah. Anyhow. That's what you can do. Patreon, iTunes, there's plenty of ways. Or you can just send us an email, a tweet, or just say thanks, guys, for what you're doing. Um, if you want to call us, here's Kendra's phone number. It's No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Not, they'd call you all day, probably, if they got your phone number. you imagine that? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't need that. Uh, hey, thanks for being good listeners, and we will talk to you next week. You've been listening to the Homeschooling in Real Life podcast. Everything on this podcast was written and produced by Andy and Kendra Fletcher. For more information, or if you'd like to contact your hosts, please visit them on homeschoolingirl.com.